0: This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. Joining me this week, the faint sound of twin pixies drifting through the forest, Brian Murray. Hello. And Tia vasiliou Hello. Thank you all for joining me this week. I'm very excited to be back recording I Read Comic Books. I know I haven't been gone for very long, but it feels like it's been days and weeks and months, and quite honestly, I've had the wildest couple of... I don't know, weeks or so. It's It's been a whole thing. But I'm here to talk with Brian and Tia about comic books. This is episode 338 for those of you at home that are keeping track. Before we get started today, I have one quick announcement. There's a Discord hangout happening on August 20th. It's going to be fun come and hang out. I I think it's going to be a blast. You should be there. Be square. Uh, I think we're probably going to go into some comic book stuff. I don't know. That's a thing that we do sometimes when we hang out. But uh, yeah, a bunch of people are going to be there, and I think it's going to be a blast. So make sure you're there as well in our Discord. Check for the link of that in the show notes. But let's get into things. Let's talk about comic books, because I have two legally mandated questions I have to ask to get this show started. And that is, how have you been? How have comic books been? Let's start with you, Tia.
1: Well, I have been pretty terrible. So I'll just, you know, be honest about that. I feel like it's good Mm -hmm. to just, you know, probably a lot of people are not having great brain days lately, mental health Mm -hmm. wise, like there's a lot going on. Um, So if you're feeling not great, uh, you are not alone and it's okay. It will be okay. I don't know that's true. It's especially hard.
0: (laughs) Go ahead. And it's especially hard when the sun is shining and you're like, I want to go outside and do things. And the outside and doing things is the most terrifying thing in the world. I I get that.
1: Yeah. Like I live at the beach and I have not been outside in six weeks, probably. Mm. Um, It sucks. Also, my neighbors are really obnoxious and they're constantly having pool parties and stuff. And I'm just like, can you be quiet? This is not a private pool. Other people live here. So if you hear (laughs) pool party in the background...
0: Yeah. We know that it is It is some jerks in California. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha.
1: Anyway. Typical. But it, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like people, the ocean is literally 50 steps away. Can you go be loud outside in the ocean, not in the courtyard where it just echoes off of every surface into my apartment, into my ear holes? Anyway, Um Today, the day that we're recording, August 14th, is my one-year anniversary with Holiday, my beloved cat and best friend and familiar. So um, that is the like good news the, for the day, the good thing that I'm focusing on. And also, yeah, I did read some comic books, so let's get into it. Um, The first one that I read is actually a manga. And some of you may know that I'm not the biggest manga fan, but... I don't like to be the kind of person who's like this thing is really popular so I hate it. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> I mean I do like to be that person a little bit but you know I think that my background as an art historian like I am trained to sort of be able to say like I don't like this thing necessarily but everybody likes it and I really want to understand it better and maybe I'll understand more what I am not connecting to and like maybe I'll find something about it that I like. I don't know. Like I think my background lets me be a little more open minded about stuff like that. So, so I, I read, um, the graphic novel manga style adaptation of The Mortal Instruments by Cassandra Clare, and this adaptation is, um, by Cassandra Jean. And so, I love the book. It's like a, there's like. 11 12 books in this series and they're all like 800 pages long and there's a movie and there's a horrible tv show called shadow hunters which like is almost as crazy as riverdale uh it's not my (laughs) favorite big claim to you uh but you know i i love the franchise so i'm like how what better way to sort of like ease into it than to pick something i already like Hmm. Mm-hmm. and so just like quick plot summary there's a quote unquote ordinary teenage girl and she learns that she's actually part of a race called shadow hunters who have angel blood in their lineage and they train to protect the world from demons, vampires and werewolves and fairies and warlocks <laughs> just like magic Um, and they use magic Um, they like tattoo themselves with runes so th- with these magic wands so that they have superhuman abilities and... Within their ranks, because of course there are like of magic Nazis.
0: Oh, um, wait. Hold on. No, not of course.
1: <laughs> I mean.
2: And that's just the world today. You're going to have Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jesus.
1: And they're basically like we want to subjugate and torment the like other magical races. Like we'd protect the world from them because they're kind of bad sometimes, but we want to go a step further and like actually persecute them. So, <laughs> hmm. um, you know, like, the real Nazis were also very into magic, so I don't know. Yeah. But spoiler alert, the main character, Clary, is, like, connected to the head Nazi guy. Uh, she doesn't, like, her mom tried to hide her, but, you know, like, they tried to escape. Anyway, so she has, like, extra super special powers, because, of course, she does. Of course. And you know along the way there's like a smarmy love interest actually the whole thing is, is a like Draco Malfoy fanfic with the serial numbers scrubbed off so <laughs> like the, like if you if you're reading it and you're like this love interest sounds like if someone was really into Draco Malfoy you would be right and okay. yeah okay
2: the, this this comes up a lot with uh 50 shades of gray in the <laughs> genre of like fan fiction that got turned into books yeah yeah,
1: mm. it's a whole thing too. If you love messy drama, um, look up Cassandra Clare and fan because, like, there was a whole thing where she would be like sending—I don't know—people. There's a maybe actually wait—is it Draco or is it Spike from Buffy fanfic? I forget, but Cassandra Clare definitely has a type, and it's like blonde-haired assholes uh it's
2: mean british blondes yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: um and so there's a lot of fighting noises happening in the space of like people who read the fan fiction way mm. back when and then the internet was like scrubbed of it by the i'm assuming publishers because the franchise makes a lot of money and i don't know fun drama if that's your thing back there mm-hmm but, um, yeah, my favorite character is a warlock named Magnus Bain, who is a sexy bisexual who dresses like Oscar Wilde meets Iris Apfel. Um, and he has a cat named Chairman Meow. This
0: manga not only sounds insane. Um, I'm looking through just, like, Google image results of this. I could totally see myself falling headfirst into this series.
1: It's I- fun. I mean- it's really fun. And also, I would say cause, so Cassandra Clare is a big manga fan, like, in the book Clary. Um, is a manga fan and draws Uh, like she actually like is trying to get into art school and she's got and she's got like a graphic novel that she's making and stuff so you can tell like I think that's why it works so well because I think Cassandra Clare like I think her mind works that way because she's a fan
0: I see I see well I mean it looks I mean it looks fun and it like Not too, I guess, over the top, but I'm curious to know, like, I think one of the big things you've called up in the past regarding manga and stuff is you're not always a fan of the art. I guess with this book, did your opinion change at all?
1: I would say this moved the needle a little bit closer because I felt like this art is almost like manga style with a slight Art Nouveau tweak to it. Okay. Um and the characters look exactly like how I pictured them when I read the book, which like obviously when you have um screen adaptations, like that's not always the case and that can be really disappointing.
0: Mhm. Mhm.
1: But ultimately I still kind of hate the art because it doesn't like <laughs> 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 Like when I think of Art Nouveau black and white, I think of Audrey Beardsley and um there's always a lot of pattern and a lot of um like organic movement. I don't know. I th- what what I think I don't like about manga art in general and like I found this to be true for this book too is I need colors or patterns mm-hmm. or shading. Mm-hmm. Like outlines are not enough for me. They're just not right, enough. Yeah.
0: yeah, and and looking at this book, I just from the previews I can see this feels like a very I don't want to say basic, but very like simple art style, like very just the line work. And I think there's a lot of popular manga that does this really well. Um, But again, if you're not into that, it's just not never going to work for you. Whereas if you get something that's more complex, like I'm thinking like, a berserk or <laughs> which i guess is insane but uh like a vinland saga or something where there is extreme amounts of detail or even witch hat atelier um added to this to the black and white and gray of the story it adds a different feel and a, i guess more attention to detail in a lot of ways and again of course weekly publishing blah 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 like we could talk about the reasons why some artists do it and some don't but um if you're not into that simple line style, I can totally understand why you wouldn't dig this.
1: Yeah, I just have to force my brain along. Because like, look, the only reason I read comics is for the art. Like, sorry, writers. I I, vastly prefer prose for Mm -hmm. reading, for words, and for plot, and for story. Like, I really love to just look at the pictures and have the story be told through the art as much as possible when I read comics. And so Mm -hmm. if I can't Mm -hmm. get into the art with manga, it's just not happening. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, I... I real it's just how my brain works and it sounds so snobby to be like oh I'm st- I'm an estate and I can't read something unless it stimulates my brain but like I can't <laughs> and I'm sorry it's up it's not it's not you manga it's me it's fine
0: hey I don't think there's any apology needed here I think the the thing is and Danny in the chat is already doing this we just need
2: to find you the right manga <laughs> yeah um, it's like when one of your friends is they don't like coffee so what you do is you just keep giving them coffee to drink
0: yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Also, I'm please. Sure yeah, but that's also so annoying. You're just like, <laughs> but I just don't like it. Like, leave me alone.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I mostly kid. I mostly kid. But, you know, we're going to work on this in silent among a few friends of us. And then we're going to come to you with a proposal to you. So don't worry. We're not going to try to throw it all at you. We're going to come to you with very curated recommendations. I think that's what's going to happen. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. Anything else to say about this book? I won't beat on this dead horse any further.
1: Um. Yeah, it's It's bonkers and i think that anyone who likes um like melodramatic love Triangle supernatural teenage wizard all of that like this is free mm-hmm. this is for you this is for you and you yeah. yeah so i will kick it over to brian
2: and the the movie is not bad like i don't know how it is as an adaptation like but
1: every hot person at fun. the time in hollywood was in that movie
2: <laughs> yes oh yes. man it, it's, it's it's an incredibly <laughs> sexy movie with some very cool monster effects
0: i've heard so many okay you know what we this is not immortal instruments podcast i think <laughs> we're gonna talk about this in the break Um uh, brian how have you been how have comic books been let's let's start with one of yours uh
2: yeah speaking of incredibly sexy uh i've been okay I was a big fan of the, the Rogue Squadron books growing up, mm-hmm. and they just started putting those out as like new, fully produced audiobooks, and so a lot of my comic book time has been absorbed by listening to those. I see, I see. Um, but I did manage to read, uh, or reread, Deadpool Samurai Volume 1. Uh, this is a manga written by Sanshiro Kasama with art by Hikaru Uesugi and it is uh, an absolute delight. Like it, it never would have occurred to me to make a Deadpool manga, but it it works so so well. The the fourth wall breaking that Deadpool is always doing carries over into this and it does so in such a way that like even if you're not familiar with like the the culture surrounding manga, or the manga production or anything like that. Um it, it still makes jokes about those things that are relatable enough to people mm-hmm. who aren't familiar with them that they, they can still laugh at it. But if if you do know about like the the like you were talking about, the one week turnaround production system or whatever, mm-hmm. it's it's much funnier. Like there there's a line where Deadpool is talking to a, a villain and he's like yeah i'm gonna feel bad about this and the villain's like feel bad for me and he's like no for the assistant has to draw the next page and then (laughs) the next page is a a full page spread of a building getting blown in half
0: awesome awesome i i've I've heard pretty good things about this i
2: i think you maybe have mentioned maybe
0: i saw you say something about it at some point but i've i've heard positive things about this so i'm really glad to hear that it like it actually hits and works because I, you know, Deadpool is always like a very, very fine line when it comes mm-hmm. to writing that character. So um it sounds to me like it it hits for you.
2: Yeah, it definitely does. It's not as like I think the thing for me is Deadpool works very well unless it's mean spirited. And uh, I, I think that some people can get mean-spirited with Deadpool. Uh and this one's definitely not. This one is just like Let's have a good time making fun of tropes and conventions.
1: Mm -hmm. I think also Deadpool cosplayers have just like put this kind of negative aura around the character so that like (laughs) people really bring that annoyance to any Deadpool encounter. And I think if you are able to sort of, I don't know, put that aside, the fourth wall breaking can be really funny. Definitely. that's
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's so funny that you say that though, Tia, because I think when I, now when I think of, of Deadpool, I do think of cosplayers and just like the cringy videos or TikToks I've seen of people like I was at a convention and a Deadpool cosplayer did this. And it's like, why would he think that's okay? Cause it's always a guy, you know? And it's like, Oh yeah. I've, I feel like I've had a very strange experiences at cons with Deadpool cosplayers as well. So yeah, I, I totally feel that.
2: I was, I was online in 2010. I've seen it all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, there there's a great part where they introduce uh a couple of new characters, uh, one of which is Sakura Spider, which is the schoolgirl uh spider person introduced in this book. Which again is another great fourth wall moment where Deadpool's like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. They went for the lowest hanging fruit, whipped up a new Spider Man, got it.
1: <laughs> Wait, I thought there was already a schoolgirl spider person.
2: Uh she's in the future.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, of course
0: right right you know Obviously. it's it's different different universe
2: totally you know I mean like we can't cross over it's the whole thing uh we also get we get manga pretty boy loki um if if you're familiar with like the the shojo guy face uh, <laughs> that that's exactly what Loki is in this uh
1: for someone who can is... shapeshift that is a choice yeah, yeah,
2: yeah for exactly sure. uh he has laser eyes now um. They come up once, are not explained, and never happen again. No, um, oh, and venom is attached to a pop idol instead of a uh, a journalist, so that's a that's a cool twist. Fun.
0: So I, this this sounds like it's a, a really fun time. I'm glad I'm glad that this got translated because I know that there was like some question over it at some point of whether or not it was going to get translated. So uh, this came out
2: pretty recently though, right? Yeah, like in the US. I, I think it originally was like 2018 or something like that, but the translation just hit in 2022
1: gotcha. i was just gotcha. talking to a friend about how like 2014 to 2018 was the best era of comics in like the recent past so yeah this that i would out. argue
0: since the dawn of Hoxpox pox that we've been <laughs> just kidding
2: just kidding it's only a uh, 10-hour drive to get over there to kick your ass Mike. <laughs> that's true that's true i I also tried to read star wars the high republic volume three um but i couldn't because apparently my library card is broken so either it's technical glitch or i've been nick whited by the kent district library system (laughs) let's let's hope Uh, it's the it's the former let's hope it's the former what about
0: you mike uh well one of the books i read this week was 007 number one Uh, this is the most recent 007 incarnation uh, from dynamite comics written by philip kennedy johnson art by marco finnegan colors by deborah kelly and letters by jeff Eckleberry. and i don't know what it is but i really want to like 007 comics like anything that's james bond in a comic book form i want to like because i feel like comic book writers Go as far away from they as they can from all of the gross tropes of James Bond, and instead try to tell like good spy thriller action stories. Someone like Greg Pak did like a really awesome run of James Bond, um, and I've read some other James Bond in the past uh, that I I really enjoyed. And so I saw that Philip Kennedy Johnson was on this one. And uh, I I really enjoyed their work on Aliens after Nick put, uh, you know, his bat to my throat and said, you must read this. And I read a bunch of Alien comics and uh, I actually liked them. So I was like, let's see what else uh, PKJ has going on. That's what I call him, PKJ. And I think he, uh, Johnson really leads into the idea of Bond on the outs of the UK government. And I think, as I think other creators and other modern screenwriters have done in the past where It's this thing where we know who James Bond is as a culture, so why don't we just kick him out of his position and make him go rogue? Um, Which I think is the thing that we've been seeing with Daniel Craig. Like In almost every single movie, he's always doing something outside of the law um, for one reason or another. And I think that this story actually works by adding a little bit of history to the 00 program. We learn about this 003 character. Maybe people who know more about James Bond know who this person is, but I didn't because I'm just some schmuck from the United States who doesn't read Ian Fleming books. But I I like the way that they leaned into this idea of James Bond now wants to get revenge on this double O agent who was killed. And there's, of course, a project with a funky name that you can't pronounce because it's Swedish or something. And I, I, I like just the way that this first issue developed deborah excuse me, Marco Finnegan's art uh, is really interesting because it swirls the look of a chiseled like Darwin Cook style figure that has hints of different bonds, mostly Pierce Brosnan and Roger Moore, uh, which I, I think is interesting because I think other Bond artists in more recent past have tried to get more towards a Daniel Craig looking guy. And personally, I like the square jawed like chiseled look of uh of the like a darwin cook character and so I, I like the way that finnegan did that with his art but yeah i don't know this issue was fun enough for me to keep reading i'm going to try number two um i love having a big dumb action-packed government conspiracy bullshit comic on my pull list so it's between this and all of the reckless books like i'm getting a really good sense of crime action mystery thriller stuff so i'm, I'm totally on board for
1: it it kind of like if i never heard you say 007 i would have thought you were just describing mission impossible
0: yeah, well and that's the thing like I don't I just watched The Gray Man. <laughs> uh I don't know if you guys saw that that's that uh that Chris Evans and Ana de Armas and uh who's the main guy? Ryan Gosling movie that just came out which is essentially right. like james bond mission impossible john wick all mashed up into one thing um, i haven't seen it but i've heard that chris evans really chews on the scenery in that one. Oh, yeah chris evans showed up to have a good time and they happened to pay him like that's what the movie is um and he's he's got a look i well we could talk about the gray man all day because it's such a bad good movie like there's nothing particularly great about it like the russo brothers clearly wanted to do something else with chris evans but they didn't know what And they just needed to get other cast members in and Ana de Armas is is a great fit for the movie. I don't know. Overall, it's just like a dumb action movie that works because they don't explain everything because you as a person who lives in modern Western society, that's what I assume that they think the audience is, um, understands all of the tropes of like governmental shadow conspiracy agencies. So they don't have to do anything other than just tell the like, let the action set pieces happen. But yeah, and, and that's what 007 is. Right, go ahead, Tia.
1: I feel like no directors understand what to do with Chris Evans, except maybe I can't remember the director now from Knives Out. Ryan Johnson? Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, that was a good, like, I really felt like Chris Evans disappeared into the role of, like, rich masshole. But, uh-huh. um, because. Because if,
0: if you like that, kind of, you should watch The Gray Man. Oh my gosh, <laughs> he's so evil in this movie. It's awesome. Yeah,
1: yeah. But like you know, throughout the like Avengers movies, for example, I feel like no, none of the directors really knew what to do with Captain America. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And by not, didn't know what to do with, I mean, let him kiss Bucky. <laughs>
2: I feel like that's just a Captain America thing. Like, even in the comics, nobody knows what to do know. with that guy. Yeah, that's true.
0: That's true. Um, well, I mean, if you're looking for some dumb action government stuff, like 007's fun. But uh, let's, Tia, let's let's talk about another book that you oh, read. Yeah. You had another one on your list. Let's hear about it.
1: I did. I did pick another one because I, I was like, oh, I should also have, like, something fun to talk about. So I picked a Hellboy book because Hellboy is always fun. <laughs> Heck yeah! And one of the so I read um, Hellboy and the BPRD, 1957, Falling Sky by Mike Mignola, Chris Roberson, Sean Martin'sbro, and Lee Lowridge. I mean, hello, like such a great creative team. Yeah, but um, yeah, help! I'm just such a huge Hellboy fan, and one of the things I love about the Mignola verse, I guess it's called now, is that um. You know, there are through lines in the stories, but there's also monster of the week books that you can just drop into and they're done really well, uh, which, mm-hmm. I, you know, mm-hmm. for someone who doesn't always like the pressure of like, you must keep up with the stories every single month, um, you know, like sometimes I just want to drop in and have a good time. And so Hellboy books are perfect for that. And you know, I, I really love Mike Magnula's Mike art. No one will ever be Magnola in terms of art. But mm-hmm. being your own artist, but playing with the characters and kind of paying homage to the style. Um, like I think that Sean Martin Bros style is definitely its own thing here, but he does a great job of like giving us like after Mike Mignola. And, mm. and, and so we know we're in Mignola verse visually without it just being like copying the style. And I also think that's, um, you have to give Lee Ridge a lot of credit for the coloring because, um, like, for me, what really stands out as Mike McNully art is his use of blacks. Like it's very graphic, it's very Japanese wood block print, very ukiyo-e. and um, I mean like shout out to Dave Stewart who mm-hmm. colored the you know, the original Hellboy books, I guess. But like a colors could carry you through in the different artwork or the different um artists like artwork to keep you in the universe visually and to have that continuity. So Love that, love that for us, and um, yeah. So this is the monster of the week one, and it's nice because, like, in within Hell, the Hellboy world, there's basic premise of they're here to protect us from monsters, and and also some. Oh, I guess Nazis are in all of my books, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say
0: we're talking about Hellboy you know? here.
1: <laughs> but like, once you get the basic premise, it's really not that complicated, and so it's a really easy sort of like world to do monster of the week and it doesn't feel like there's anything missing or it doesn't feel like it's like phoned in um i mean hellboy volume three the chained coffin and others is like just a collection of short stories pretty much and they are so good it's probably one of my favorite volumes of the original hellboy and yeah so just like the monster of the week thing or like the short story thing is established really early on in the in the verse and so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh I like that these newer story like arcs like the 1950s ones which also were just super aesthetic if you like the f- like mid-century style uh so sometimes there's continuity and then sometimes you could drop in so that's the kind of flexibility I need and I love it and so in this one it's a really quick, simple premise. There's this researcher. His name is Woody Ferrier. He's working as a cryptozoologist in the BPRD, and he is his like goal in life is to discover a new species of cryptid. And, Uh-oh. yeah. So he's like teamed up. He, even though he's a he's a researcher, they're like, we're going to put you in the field, and so they pair him up with Hellboy. And when, of course. A, yeah,
2: that like BPRD <laughs> hazing. <laughs>
1: yeah yeah and like obviously humor is the one of the best parts of hellboy books and Mm -hmm. you definitely get that right away here because yeah like so Woody's doing field work with Hellboy and he's just like so done there's like all these banal run-of-the-mill common cryptids that they have to investigate and of course Hellboy is like great that was easy let's go get pancakes and Woody is like no I want to find something I want to I want to have excitement and Hellboy's like trust me you don't
0: (laughs) I mean I love that idea of Hellboy even in 1957 right being like Honestly, dude, whatever you think you want, you absolutely <laughs> yeah. don't. Because at this point, what I've seen will scare you to death. <laughs> like, that's amazing.
1: Exactly. He's like, hey, nobody shot at us today. So just take take the W, man. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but um, as a former academic, though, I can relate to that frustration of like working your ass off for research. And then like you go out in the field and it's just not what you signed up to do. Um, Mm -hmm. And getting super bitter about it because being an academic sucks your soul out. And so, like, you need something. You need something so you could feel again. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So they're in Virginia and they're investigating a report of, like, an alien or a mutated bear or maybe, like, an alien bear that mutated or, like, something like that and anyway like i'm not going to spoil it it's none of those things woody gets really seriously injured but he's thrilled he's like having the time of his life because he finally gets to do (laughs) something fun so (laughs) i get it
0: (laughs) that's great i i've been meaning to like get back into these hellboy the bprd volumes just because like the numbered year ones seem like all like easy to access like easily accessible like you said like everything is kind of just pick up whatever you want and read it and i know that there's a handful of them out here at this point so I've seen, like, Paulo Rivera's covers, which look amazing, and I'm just like, yeah, give me some Hellboy in my life. I should do that. That should be my next big read. Put that on the list of big reads that's becoming a big read itself.
1: They're always fun. I love Hellboy.
2: Yeah. I mean, I was once a 12-year-old who desperately wanted to meet Bigfoot, so I I see where Woody's coming from. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Uh, Brian, what about you? Did you read anything else this week?
2: Yeah. Actually, this is an all-manga week for me. I read... uh, Volumes four through six of How Do We Relationship, which is a manga by an artist named Tammy Full. Uh, I've spoken about this before. um, Generally described it as like, this is my my feel good book where I go for like a sweet relationship between, you know, these two young women who meet in their first year of college. And, you know, they they just fall in love and join a band and it's great. And it's not anymore. Oh, no. Um, (laughs) It's like. I've always recommended it like that. And then like one of the first things that happens in the new stuff that I've been putting off reading is like, well, they broke up and one of them is going to run away and try to hook up with her, her high school crush. And when that falls through, it become suicidally depressed for a while. Oh, what? (laughs) Yeah. It got, it got dark, a little dark. Uh, (laughs) Holy smokes. And it's, it's definitely like a showcase of the different unhealthy ways people process a breakup. Because mm-hmm. you have like the the one person who fully shuts herself in her apartment and, and doesn't come out for weeks at a time, and her friends are very worried about her. Mm-hmm. And the other person who's just like, "What? No, everything's fine. I'm back to normal. I'm not. I'm not still fucked up. You're fucked up." <laughs> oh no. So yeah, I mean that's it's their they're they're very. Uh, very shitty to themselves and others in in these volumes. Things are on a better note at the end of six than they they were at the end of four. It's it's still a little bumpy. They're doing that that thing that I've come to understand is traditional when a lesbian relationship falls apart, where they just become awkward, weird friends instead. Okay, <laughs> I, I assume that they're they're gonna get back together. That might just be like the shipper in me that wants them to get back together. Mm. But yeah, it's. It's still very good. I still really enjoy it. Like, it's it's still got that, like, I guess I I would call it, like, clean line work. Like, it's very, very simple. All the characters are very easy to recognize on site. Uh, It's very distinct.
1: See, as you're describing this, I'm, like, into the story. And if someone wrote Mm -hmm. this as a prose, like, YA novel, I would Read the hell out of it. But if you're going to make me look at the pictures, I would literally just throw myself in the ocean.
2: Yeah, I, I I was definitely when you were talking about it, I was like, all right, that's what I'm not going to recommend to you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: Maybe light novels is really where my like focus should be. Yeah,
0: you know, I I, I did, would never have thought about that. But that, I think that that's the perfect blending of the two things. So when we get the light novel version of how do we relationship, we'll make sure to get that to okay. you Um ship directly
2: is that a pun i'll send you my my hundred and thirty thousand word fanfic (laughs)
1: that too that too i love that
0: um you know this this book sounds interesting in in like a this might be cathartic to read for somebody you know to to see how other people are reacting to a to a breakup and stuff you know as you see the relationship grow and then it you know changes over time like i feel like something like this it may be you know go from go from this like warm and fuzzy story to a, a bit more intense but um I mean, sometimes reading that kind of stuff is super cathartic.
2: Yeah, Um, there are a lot of things in there that I really enjoy, like that are uh, not not quite subversions of tropes, but definitely things that get addressed differently than I would expect them to. Like there's there's one guy who's like, I'm so helplessly in love with one of these women and one of the other characters is like, yeah, well, that's not her problem, dickhead. Get over
1: it. I <laughs> love that. <laughs> and
2: I'm just like, yeah, it's not her problem. Stop being a weirdo.
1: <laughs> did you guys see that article that came out recently that was basically like men are single and lonely because they won't like adapt to the raised standards of like emotional intelligence that women <laughs> yeah. are demanding of them now? <laughs> Whoa,
2: I-, I did see that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Which, you know, as one of those women who is happily single and just like not here for that bullshit anymore, accurate. But that what, what you just said reminds me of that because so many men are just like, what?
2: <laughs> yeah. What do you mean I can't inflict my emotions on the world around me? <laughs> I mean, listen. Listen
1: um <laughs> i feel like i feel like we all we have a pretty good collection of emotionally like available and aware men on this podcast so good job guys well thanks
2: um it was definitely a learned skill yeah, it not is.
1: A thing yeah. i was born with yep. for
0: sure it definitely took me 34 years to figure that out and i'm not even 34 yet um so I'm going to just jump into my last book that Please I read um, before we get into my full on full blown therapy sessions. Um, <laughs> I read in one more book uh, that is was kind of a cathartic read uh, called Keeping Two. This is by Jordan Crane. Um, this book is I don't know how to describe it because the synopsis gives away a lot of the story. Um, but I don't think that the story is really the point of the book, which is a weird way to say that. Um it's really the journey of the story because it's extremely chaotic in how the story is told. Um, like the book opens with a couple in a car and they're reading a book like one. The person who's not driving is reading to the driver um, as they're, you know, instead of listening to an audiobook or something. And it's a story about a family who's on a boat and the boat is sinking and they're trying to get out. And like it's sad and somebody has to sacrifice themselves. Um, but the story keeps cutting back to the couple as they clearly had some sort of argument earlier in the day and they're trying to like take their minds off it by doing something kind of together, one person reading and the person listening. Um, And so we keep getting cuts to them and then flashbacks and then back into the story. And it's extremely chaotic. The whole book is like this and they get home and the story in the book continues as one of them continues to read the book and the other one leaves and we don't know where the other person went. And so in, in a almost true to life sense, at least for me, um, the person in the story. Uh, who stays home, starts to think what happened, why they're while they're gone? why is it taking them so long to get back? Um, and it goes from there. it starts to spiral in these like in series of intrusive thoughts within the story that the person's reading, within the person who's reading's head, within other people that are not related to the story. We start to see all these different perspectives, and the book floats around between characters so willy nilly it's you almost have to like go back and read it a second time to fully understand it. And it's frantic and stressful and anxiety-inducing. Uh, it's a book that feels so close to real life that I don't know if this is someone retelling a thing that happened to them or not. But I felt like Crane was trying to channel something, like a, a thing, a, an issue that they have with intrusive thoughts and worry and their own anxiety, and putting it to paper. And I, I felt like it's, it's almost like scary to see how well someone could describe all of that, if you've ever had that happen to you, where just lots of bad thoughts just come into your head and they just keep spiraling and spiraling, um, Crane manages to tell this story um, that is about how someone handles that. And I, I found it to be just overwhelming and extremely cathartic in reading because i I suffer from that. I'm sure a lot of people do. I'm sure most people do. Um, And to get this all kind of compressed into like a 200 page book is really, really impressive. Uh, The art style is really, really simple. But I think the meaning of the story and what they were trying to do with it is very clear in the end. And yeah, I uh, it made me feel bad. It made me feel good, like (laughs) all at once. So uh, if you're looking for something that's really going to fuck you up on a Sunday night, (laughs) I highly recommend keeping two. Yeah, that sounds like my
2: personal hell.
0: Yeah, um, I, and it, I I'm the type of person that I read something like that and I get a lot of like I don't know like weird therapy out of it in that seeing someone else and being able to relate to them. But I could see someone reading this book and just being like, Nah, man, this is this is gonna trigger something for me.
2: Yeah, like like that kind of stuff for me is always much more of like, see, this isn't just in your head. This is a real thing that happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like no, it's just also a thing in their head, and I can mm-hmm. I can understand that intellectually, but. But we aren't always in touch with that part of our brain. I get yeah, that. I'm very good at regulating how my emotions come out. Not so good at managing the the whirlwind inside. Yeah.
1: No, yeah. I'll be like, I'm working out twice a day, seven days a week, and I have 12% body fat. I'm doing great. And people are like, please go to the hospital. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, um, we're going to take a quick break. Um, and when we come back, we're going to talk about comics that are on the top of our pile, as well as some of the folks that are hanging out with discard and their picks as well. So we'll be back in just a second. Today on IRCB, we're going to be talking about comic books. You guessed it. I know that you came to the I read comic books podcast for something other than comics, but we have comics that we're looking forward to this week. This is the top of our pile. We're talking about comics, new and old, anything that we're going to be reading next. So if this is your first episode, welcome. You made it over at the halfway mark. I'm glad that you went this far. But today we're going to be talking about comics that we're looking forward to the most. So I guess to get things started, Brian, what is on the top of your pile this week?
2: Uh, this one's a little bit of a shout out to Danny. Hello, Danny in the chat. Uh, we have Deceased, War of the Undead Gods. I did not know this was happening because I don't follow DC, Really? Um, this is written by Tom Taylor with lines by Trevor Harrison, uh, inks by Andy Lanning and colors by Rain Barreto. It's always a nice surprise when I find one of these because I I picked up the first deceased volume on a whim off Hoopla at one point. I I think it's still the best like zombie comic that I've read, let let alone like the best, superheroes zombie comic that i've read uh and and part of that is because a lot of zombie comics are not very good so it's not Mm -hmm. like the you know the bar is a tripping hazard in hell but it it is still like very well written it feels more like this is actually a story somebody wanted to tell and not something that was just like a like in in a meeting some ceo wouldn't hey wouldn't it be fucked up if Mm -hmm. (laughs) which Mm -hmm. is what marvel zombies feels like (laughs) yes I mean, back in the day when Kirkman was writing that, it felt
0: like a very original thing. It's not like he was writing Shut the, the biggest... fuck up.
1: <laughs> I mean, also now I think we all have a very different perspective on a zombie situation, which is oh, like, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would oh, happen. this is just a
2: way for you to exercise your fantasy about shooting people. Got it. Right. Yeah. Um, and DC's... Remind me of what this story is... Because like, I,
0: I feel like you've talked about it a bunch, and I know you've told me a bunch, but I can never keep it in my head.
2: Uh, it's been a while since I read the original, um. so my, my memory is a little hazy, but it's basically like the uh, the anti-life equation gets out of hand, and right. people start, okay. you know, people are too paying too much attention to their phones, so they turn into zombies.
0: Yeah. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. I forgot. That's what it is. They're on their phones, and it turns them into zombies. Right, right, right. Yeah. I remember it being something ridiculous, but then everyone saying, and including you, like, no, 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 it's actually good. Um. So I I think
2: maybe one day they'll, they'll do a big deceased deep dive or something like that. Could be fun. Yeah, definitely. The, the, the latest Marvel zombies that I read was actually not that bad. I, I don't want to slander them completely. Okay. That one was... Uh, a, a similar in that it like it came from space as some kind of like weird thing, mm-hmm. and not just, "Hey, there's zombies now." Spider Man's gonna kick his leg off and then be sad about it, <laughs> uh, which is a thing that happens in Marvel Zombies. Spider Man just fully like breaks his leg and it just comes off.
0: Oh, oh,
2: <laughs> you you read Marvel that. Zombies, right?
0: I- I have, but I feel like I blotted a lot of it out of my mind because I think I was inundated with a lot of zombie content at the time. Um, and I know that I owned a lot of those Marvel zombie comics, too, like in physical form back when I was just buying anything that had the name Kirkman on it. So, you know, I totally... I feel like
2: I read this. I just yeah. remember the covers mostly. Um, there's but... there's one part where, like, after after the Marvel zombies eat brains, they, like, begin, they, like get their... Their consciousness back kind of like the the mm. hunger takes control otherwise right and right, right. zombie spider-man immediately starts getting maudlin about having eaten Aunt may and the the vibe in the other zombies is very like oh here we fucking go <laughs> this this shit again <laughs> poor peter parker too bad he can't age um sorry i don't yeah. want to i don't want to just get into like that. whatever however spider book we hear about uncle ben dying every time mm-hmm. Uh, zombie Spider-Man needs brains We hear about Aunt May I see, I see
0: um, This is Batman and the Pearls, I see, okay, gotcha uh, Well, <laughs> Tia Sounds like before, a fan Before I get any any more just cynical about Big 2 comics um, What are you excited for? What are you reading next? And What's on the top of your pile?
1: Well, speaking of bands I am mm. so excited to see that Simon Hanselman has put out Another Meg and Mog book This one, yes. I know Uh, just a teenage dirtbag, baby. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's called Below Ambition and it's about, um, a band called Horse Mania, which, uh, Meg, Mog, and Owl have formed. The quote unquote worst band in town. I definitely hung out with some version of Horse Mania as a teenager. Uh, (laughs) Fantagraphics (laughs) describes it as... Meditation on Youth, Performance, and Memory, which sounds really cerebral for a book series that has so much filth and depravity and like buttholes as these books do. But (laughs) that's definitely the beauty of them. And Simon Hanselman is really smart about it. So um, I'm very excited about this one. It looks like the the digital version came out last week. And then, yeah, but it's not in print until the end of October because there's going to be a, a flexi disc horse mania single involved in the book. Uh, Google tells me a flexi disc is like a, like a vinyl. Uh, so <laughs> maybe Paul can, can play it for us and like hold the phone up to the speaker or something. Cause I don't have a record player. I don't know anyone yeah. except Paul who has a record player, <laughs> but um, yeah, I want the hardcover. I have all the Megan Mog books in a hardcover because I like to read them and touch the pages and and like they're really beautiful books even though they are about these like teenage dirtbags so uh yeah. they're nice to have and, and i reread them a lot there's
0: something about the megan Mog books or the mega hex books in general that are it's so disgusting but then you come out of them feeling like Like, better because someone else did all this other stuff. I know we're talking a lot about like cathartic reads today because that's how I read comic books, apparently. But Simon Hanselman manages to like tell these stories that are just insane and ridiculous and filthy. And it's like scratches an itch in my head. I I don't know if you feel the same way where it's just like I needed to get that grossness out. And Hanselman manages to do that. Because
1: we're all a little bit gross and we're all a lot ashamed of it. Mm -hmm. you know and so it's just kind of i'm not i'm perfect Go on. (laughs) it's like all the gross thoughts you ever had and then we're like i hope that goes away (laughs) you know
2: yeah Yeah. i I hope there's not a secret telepath around me
0: yeah Uh, it's the i hope this didn't unlock something in me reno like (laughs) (laughs) or awaken something in me sorry to steal the community line
1: yes uh so listen in the discord chat someone says they had me a butthole like if you are into buttholes you're gonna love werewolf jones (laughs) you're gonna love werewolf jones
2: (laughs) there's the title right there
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh i don't know how i'm gonna top that because i just want to talk about some dumb fantasy comic but i i will try i guess I guess before I get into my pick for this week, we had some folks hanging out with us on Discord today. Uh, Hugh is excited for do a powerbomb number three, or that's next on their top of of their pile. Danny is going to be reading Batman, One Bad Day, Riddler number one. And Stephanie is diving into the epic of Alan Moore's Swamp Thing, which is very exciting. I've been meaning to read those books. So, Stephanie, I look forward to hearing your thoughts on that.
2: We also got a late entry uh, from Gray, uh, Proteus Vax by Michael Carroll and Henry Flint. Oh, thank you. I
0: missed that in the chat. Sorry about that, Gray. Yeah, but the book for me that I'm excited for going to be reading next is Barbaric Axe to Grind number one. This is Michael Morici um, with art by Nathan Gooden, colors by Addison Duke, and letters by Jim Campbell. And I know I slept on the first run of this series for anyone who's been paying attention and drawing the dots and keeping track and score at home. But this time I refuse... Because if you didn't read Barbaric Volume 1, you should go back and read that from Fall Comics. It's a really fun three-issue series about a barbarian and his talking axe and a wizard and all of the problems and excitements that you could get into in that type of situation with a talking axe and a wizard. So I, I really enjoyed it. It's really fun. Michael Morici has a lot of fun with this extremely goofy concept of a talking axe who hungers for blood and encourages this barbarian to just kill every evil person they see. Uh, And so this next volume, I don't really know what it's going to be about, but the summary says that Soren, Owen the Barbarian, and Owen's talking axe, this time they're out to settle an old score against Gladius, a wicked asshole who did Owen wrong back in his Barbarian days. You know what? Sure. Sounds (laughs) dumb and fun to me. Sounds like Conan the Barbarian with a little bit more flair. Um so let's let's see what what marichi has up up his sleeve um but i really have to say i the first volume of this again like really delivered a super fun barbaric fu- fantasy that takes the sword and sorcery concept and like adds a lot of humor I, I felt like a lot of skull kickers vibes out of this so if you're a fan of that old jim zub series i think you'd really really dig this um but this is vault comics this is this is Michael Marici, like you really can't lose with this combo, I think. So I, I think you're you're definitely gonna dig it if you're into fantasy comics. Um highly recommend this 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 new book. I mean, I haven't
2: read it yet. Well, I should say I have read it yet, but um I also recommend the first volume to to sum things up. Part of part of being a massive nerd like I am is listening to that and going, Oh, it's funny the bad guy's name is Gladius, because that's a Roman sword and the Romans and the barbarians and <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Here's the, so I you know, go ahead. Oh,
1: I'm just thinking about like what I said earlier about like the golden age of comics and the modern era and Vault I think kind of started in that era and mm-hmm. there's some other publishers who I would kind of put in that category at the time, like maybe Aftershock. And it seems mm-hmm. like vault really pulled away from the pack and like rose to the top. And I don't hear about Aftershock that much anymore. And I'm just wondering like, what do you guys think about vault? Like what did they do? Right. Just because like, first of all, the fact that they are even still around is a miracle just because starting a new publishing company in comics is like madness. And, mm-hmm. um, they, they, The Wassel bros are so sweet and they're so smart and they just did such a great job and they got good talent and they treat people nice and like, I don't know, but like the AfterShot guys are smart too and they had good talent. Like, I don't know. What do you guys think? What was the the magic ingredient for Vault?
2: I mean, I think it's just that they're they're finding talented, creative people and turning them loose.
0: I I mean, I think it also... Like I totally agree with Brian there. I they find some very interesting stories, like with unbelievable creative teams, like from folks you never heard of. But they they have a marketing spin that is so aggressive. <laughs> I think more so than a lot of other publishers. I, I feel like I hear about Vault through the grapevine of indie creators more so than almost any other publisher. Um, like in, in like non big five, I guess publishers. Right. Um, I I think that. Yeah, they, they've done a really good job of not only pushing their marketing really hard um, via email chains and stuff like that, but also I think doing right by creators. I haven't heard a bad word said about these guys. Oh, you know what else um, just
1: occurred to me? They guarantee their books with comic shops like you could return their books. Hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Huh?
1: I wonder, I-
0: yeah, I mean, it's interesting because like Danny in the chat just brought up uh, Aftershock and I, I, I agree with him. Aftershock came and went and then i think they started to come back because i've noticed myself even picking up more of their books recently um and i fell off for a while like they were they were putting out some stuff that it just kind of felt like i don't know low caliber and i don't mean to insult any anybody out there that was making comics but it also felt like a lot of cheap wins um like what was a popular topic let's write a book about it like we've got one already like ready to fire um whereas now i feel like they're leaning more into like kind of Genre fiction that is is actually interesting versus just trying to jump on whatever the latest trend is Um, like I've seen a couple different good books from them recently.
1: There were a couple of really really solid Marguerite Bennett titles from them like there was the lesbian insect like Victorian one and then there was Mm -hmm. like the animal Mm -hmm. one. And I feel that's like that's not a sentence Anim- you
2: can just say.
1: I <laughs> <laughs> mean, uh, yeah, with an X, right? Where did Marguerite uh, Bennett okay. go? Okay. <laughs> like, I've who ha- has, have we done a wellness check on Marguerite Bennett? I haven't heard of her in ages.
0: Yeah, I have no idea. I, that's now, now, now you got me curious. I'm Googling furiously over here.
1: Anyway, but I, yeah, just made I, me think-
0: she was, she was there for a minute and then I don't know, maybe she just dropped off. You know, sometimes folks have just, uh, Sometimes, I don't know, I think the pandemic also hit a lot of people in different ways, right? Creative output just probably dropped. So, can't blame her. You know, she just fucked off. You know, I totally (laughs) get it. Tough tough to be creative when you're just kind of looking around and screaming all the time. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: But yeah, Um, glad Vault.
0: But yeah, I mean, Vault, I think, has persisted just because the you know the the guys running that company are really persistent and i also think that they have some really fucking good books like and i know there are other publishers out there that have kind of grown over the last couple of years like scout and awa and there's there's a couple other smaller publishers but like black mask where did they go oh right like they were putting well, out some books for a minute they
1: had a lot of behind the scenes like problems
0: yeah but that's what i mean like i think that there's like comic industry business shit that some companies fall into that vault somehow has managed to get away from because i think they're really trying to be as straight and narrow about their company as possible
1: well i'm happy they're they're doing good doing good comics and they're doing good in comics so keep it up definitely
0: yeah so go go buy all the vault comics they're all pretty good i think not a, not there's maybe one bad book for every 10 i think you can do pretty well over there so um yeah i guess uh to wrap things up you know next week's show uh paloma is going to be joining ircb danny was on the show very recently his first episode first official episode all the other ones were fake um and danny's not real until recently paloma is going to be joining the show we're very excited to welcome her and uh, next week we're going to be talking about nightwing and the bat fam i think danny's going to be on that episode as well so it's just going to be me and two new folks so learn to love them if we got some brand new voices coming to the show um, but otherwise you can follow us all on Twitter you can follow Tia at Portrait of Madam X spelled the French way you can find, find Brian at Brianhead, and you can follow me at Mike Rappin and the show on TikTok and Instagram and Twitter at IRCB Podcast
1: This episode first aired on Patreon and is possible because of our wonderful patrons. Join today for exclusive series like IRCB Movie Club, Saga of Saga, and more. Join now at patreon.com slash IRCB podcast.
2: If you haven't already, please rate and review our show. Give us five stars. I think we've earned it at this point. Uh, You can do that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, where they do in fact have ratings, or wherever you find your podcasts.
1: Join the IRCB Discord community to chat comics and more. Plus, you can listen to our episodes live as we record every week. Join using the link in the show notes.
2: Podcasts grow best when spread by word of mouth. So why not tell your friends, family, and local comic shop about IRCB?
0: Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music and we can't thank them enough. Xander edits the show. Do not look directly at him. I want to say thank you to everyone, Brian and Tia, for being on the show this week. Uh, thanks to Nick for proof listening. And until next time... Comics are good, and so are you.
1: really have to change the phrase spread by word of mouth in an era of three pandemics like that gives me anxiety just to even hear that phrase
2: podcasts are spread best by aerosolized droplets
0: (laughs) (laughs) if only we could get people listening to the show that way that would be great
1: gosh
2: ircb could stay alive on your clothes for up to 10
1: days (laughs) after an episode
0: (laughs) oh my god (laughs) that's so dark but why are we not using that oh my god
1: hey you're still recording baby
0: (laughs) oh shit (laughs) xander swap that in swap that in